Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. I'm going to invite you to take your Bible and go to Psalm chapter 16. Psalm 16 is where we're going to be this morning as we look at joy. And the joy that we have in Christ, the joy that's only available to us through Christ. You know, now we hear... We hear a lot about joy this time of year, right? So uh, everywhere from shopping malls to coffee shops to grocery stores, you'll see the word joy emblazoned during this time of year, during Christmas time. Uh, we even sing Christmas hymns about it like we did this morning, like joy to the world, how great our joy. And in the Christmas story, we're told that as the wise men uh, arrived and, and saw the baby Jesus, or uh, historically, actually, the toddler Jesus, okay? Uh, so every, every nativity scene you've ever seen is probably wrong, right? So if you really want to uh, be historically accurate, just move the wise men into the next room, okay? Because that, that's where they... <laughs> and then, you know, maybe, maybe bring them in like New Year's, okay? Because they came in later. But uh, we're, we're told that... In the Christian Standard Bible, it says when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. The English Standard Version says when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. When the wise men saw the star, they rejoiced because they realized that God was doing something. And so this morning, I want us to focus our attention in on Psalm 16, and we'll pick up in verse 7. We're going to stand and read that together, and as we do, I'm going to invite Bryson and Lexi Thomas to light the joy candle this morning, the pink candle. So let's stand together and read Psalm 16, verses 7 through 11, where the Lord says, I will bless the Lord who counsels me, even at night when my thoughts trouble me. I always let the Lord guide me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely for you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy At your right hand are eternal pleasures. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you so much for the chance that we have to gather together and to look at joy. And so I pray this morning you would open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to see the joy that's only available to us in Christ Jesus. We thank you so much for what you're going to do here this morning. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you very much. You can have a seat. Now, before we go any further, then, we need to consider one major thing, and that is this, that that true joy can only be found in Christ Jesus. True joy can only be found in Christ Jesus. Now, you may sense a pattern developing here throughout this Advent series, because uh, on the first morning we said that that true hope can only be found in Jesus we said that true peace can only be found in Jesus and now here we are saying true joy can only be found in Jesus next week's topic is love guess what we're going to say okay and yet it's true these things are only available true truly 
in their, in their truest form, they're only available in Christ Jesus. Now, is that to say that, that a non-believer can never experience joy? Of course not. Of course that's not what I'm saying. We, we see that all the time. We, we see millions of people who this time of year celebrate the birth of Christ, even though they, they've never placed their faith and trust in Christ as Savior. They, they gather together with family, and, and they celebrate the, the Jesus' birth. And they, and they can experience joy. All I'm saying is there is a depth of joy that is not possible unless you're a believer, a follower of Christ Jesus. There will always be something lacking, right? And despite our best attempts to provide joy, this time of year, particularly that usually looks like gifts, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show my love to all these people, some of whom I haven't seen since last Christmas and some of whom I hope I don't see until next Christmas. And, and I'm going to give them gifts to show how much I appreciate them, how much I love them, how much joy they bring me, even if I'm lying through my teeth when I do it, right? Is that just you? Is that, is that just, or sorry, is that just me? Am I the only? <laughs> okay. And yet David says here in, in Psalm 1611, he says, you reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. So if we try to find joy anywhere other than in the person of Jesus Christ, we are going to be sorely disappointed because all other joy will eventually dry up. That new toy we get at Christmas will break. Sometimes before lunch, right? Anybody ever, am I the only one that ever had that experience? You get something that you really want and you're so excited about it and then, no! Um... So we have to seek our joy first and foremost in Christ Jesus. If not, and, and this, is, this is important, believer, because we can all fall into this position as well. If you seek your joy in anything other than Christ Jesus, you're going to enter into this pattern of frustration. Where, where just as, as our small group looked at this morning in Galatians chapter 5, we're told that one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy, right? And so, so, so I know, okay, I know as a follower of Christ, I'm supposed to be joyful, I'm supposed to have this joy, and yet, why am I not? And so that's a, that, that's a good time for us to check and say, okay, why am I not experiencing joy? What's going on in my life? What's going on in my heart that's, that's blocking this joy from me, because if if you try to find it anything other than Christ Jesus, you're going to have this this constant cycle of frustration with your lack of joy, and and will be like almost like a man constantly running on a treadmill, wondering why you're not getting anywhere. I've been running for the past thirty minutes. Why am I still in the same room? But because you're you're literally spinning your wheels, and, and you're trying to find joy in things that were never meant to bring you lasting joy. So what we're going to do this morning, this is going to be a bit more topical than, than normal, but I want to look at three ways that, that we can experience joy in Christ Jesus. Three ways that, that, that we can see our joy increase as we look at uh, Christ Jesus in the middle of circumstances of life. And, and the first one is simply this. There's joy in the cross. So, so for as believers, there's joy when we look to the cross where we see the sacrifice that Christ paid on our behalf, where he took the punishment that you and I deserved so we don't have to worry about that anymore. Listen, if that doesn't cause joy to, to burst out of your heart and for you to rejoice in what Christ has done on your behalf, then you need a heart check. Okay? In fact, this is even what, what the writer of Hebrews says about Jesus. In, in Hebrews 12, 2, it says, For the joy that laid before him, 
For the joy that laid before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, now this may seem a bit odd, right? Because we know that on the night of Jesus' arrest, he, he experienced this really deep emotional, emotional turmoil. In fact, Luke tells us that Jesus was sweating drops of blood, which is a documented medical condition called uh, hematohydrosis, where, where under immense stress, people, and, and even we've seen it in some people today, they will actually begin to sweat drops of blood. It happens under, under deep emotional stress. And, and so Jesus, in, in the middle of the garden, as he's praying, as he's praying, Lord, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not, not what I will, but what you will, He was not excited about what was about to happen in his life. And yet the writer of Hebrews tells us that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, now what does he mean there when he says joy? Jesus knew there was something a lot bigger than simply him, than the pain and the agony he was about to, to go through. Because he knew that, that him walking through that process meant that you and I could be reconciled to God once for all. And that's the joy that carried Christ Jesus through that. He was fulfilling the very purpose for which he had been sent to earth, to redeem mankind, to pay for your sins and for my sins. So, So listen, for us then, we can find our joy in the cross because we see this great love that God showed to us, this great love with which he loved us. And there's no clearer demonstration of the love of God than in the cross. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 15, 13, he said, no one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. And then because of the cross, Luke tells us that there's joy in heaven when a sinner repents. Luke 15, 7, he says, I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. Now, uh, before you look at that and say, "Well, well, I'm one of the 99 who don't need repentance, no, you're not. That's the whole point of the story. No, you're not. You and I are the one. Because no one's righteous. No, not one. So through the cross, we see God's great love acted out for us. We see it on display. God says, this is the length I went to show my love to you. And if that doesn't cause joy to well up in us, I, I, think, I think in that moment, if you, don't, if you don't see this appreciation for what Christ did on, on your behalf, And on my behalf, we've got to do a heart check to see, man, have I understood what Christ did for me in in that? Because when we see the cross, we see this is what I deserved. That was was my death. That was my suffering because of my sin. And Christ Jesus took it on himself so that I can be reconciled with God. So when you're lacking in joy... When, when, we, when we read things like Psalm 1611, you reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. And you say, God, I just, I don't experience this joy the way I should. Everybody's singing joy to the world. And I want to say, bah humbug. What, what do I do? Believer, first of all, look to the cross. And see the depth of God's love for you.
Secondly, there's, we, can, we can find joy in trials. There's joy in trials. We see this in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. This is what James is writing uh, to, to believers who are experiencing some persecution, but it, it goes deeper than that. So he says this, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Now, the way that he puts it there, right, so it's, it's a little weird and, and maybe even wrong because he says, hey, when, when you experience trials of various kinds, consider it a joy. Well, let's, let's consider what kind of trials James is talking about here. What does he mean by various trials? Well, he means various kinds. So, so how about sickness? Is, is that, does that count? Well, that, that's... Various, right? That sickness would be a various trial. How about suffering that comes from sin? Like, like when I've done something and, and, and I'm reaping the consequences of my actions and, and that's creating a hardship. Is, is that a trial? Well, various trials. Uh, how about a wayward child? Yeah, I think that's various. How about a marriage that's struggling? There's just not a whole lot, of, whole lot of joy in the marriage at the moment. Well, that various. You see what I'm saying here? I think there's a reason. I'm so glad that he put this verse in here. The Lord inspired James to write this. Because in case you, you haven't noticed yet, various trials are a universal human experience. So, so how am I supposed to experience the joy in that? Because sometimes those trials aren't fun, and, and joy sounds like, sounds like it's kind of, a, kind of an upbeat, chipper thing, right? So, so, so when I'm in the middle of, of suffering, how can I experience joy? Well, well, here's the key. See, on your own, you can't. If you're trying to do this, this life on your own, apart from the power of Christ, you can't. But if you're in Christ Jesus, James tells us how these James tells us how these trials can bring joy. But because he says this in verse three, he says, "Know that the testing of your faith produces endurance." So yesterday there was a uh, there was a race here, and uh, and, and we had uh, I know Sarah ran and, and a couple of people that I knew. Oh, oh Sarah Sarah participated. Huh? <laughs> And, and I knew a few people that, that, that took part in, in the race. Uh, it was, a, I think the longest you could do is a half marathon, which is 13.1 miles, which blows my mind as to why any human being would, would consider that a good idea. Uh, but, but I've got a buddy who, who runs marathons um, for fun. Put that in quote, fun. I, I don't get it, but that, that's what he does. He, he likes to run marathons, take off and run 26.2 miles. Uh, do, do you know how, how a marathon runner trains? They, they push their body for endurance. They push through the pain of the moment. They push through the, the burning lungs and they push through the burning legs in order to get their body to the point where they can run 26.2 miles. Or so I've heard. I've never done it. That's not really on my bucket list as, as a person. But before I go, I would like to run 26 miles. But... but, but my sister-in-law did it. I've known several people who have trained and, and done it. And, and there comes a point in training where, where the body wants to stop. The body's screaming, stop. And you, you, 
you push through, you endure for the joy of crossing the finish line. And, and hearing the crowd chant your name, right? And the crowd going wild and, and that there's an exhilaration in that moment knowing, hey, look at what, look at what I was able to accomplish. Now, 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 let's take that and look at it from a, from a believer's standpoint. There are times in this life where, where it's not a whole lot of fun to be a follower of Christ. There are times in life where, where it's not a whole lot of fun just to, to do life, if you, if you get what I'm saying. It's not a whole lot of fun to get out of bed in the morning in, in, in some stages of life. So what do I do in that moment when, when I don't have the strength on my own? The good news of the gospel is you don't have to rely on your own strength. And so, so listen, it, this, this works, it out and works itself out in a few different ways. So, so in marriage, if, if, man, if you look at your marriage, you're just like, man, this is, this is not a real fun patch for us. You, 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 say, you say two things. First of all, to, to your spouse, you say, listen, I, I, know, I know this isn't a whole lot of fun. I, I know that things aren't, aren't real smooth right now. And this isn't, this isn't what we, probably what we envisioned when, when we stood there and said, I do. But, but, but I need you to know two things. I need you to know, first of all, that, that I'm not going anywhere. I'm in this for the long haul. And then secondly, you say, we, we can't do this on our own. So we've got we've to fall on Christ who will carry us through. Maybe we're not strong enough to, to, to do this, but praise God, he is. Um, for, for sickness, if, if, there's, if there's a disease that's, that's, that's eating away at your body and, and, and sapping your strength and, and, and you're struggling to find joy in that, do you, do you know what you say to, to the Lord God? There, there's great strength in surrender. God, I can't do this. I don't know where this is going. But your word says that, that I can have joy even in the midst of struggles. And so what I'm going to do is lay this down. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to lay my life down. And, and, and if this ends with me going on to glory, then, then praise your name because I know where I'm going. But in the meantime, use me as a witness to your strength in the midst of suffering, to your joy in the midst of suffering. Now, now look, keep in mind, this is only applicable to Christians, okay? To those who have said yes to Christ's free offer of salvation. Because if you haven't done that, you can't experience this kind of joy in the middle of trials. In fact, this probably sounds like crazy talk to a non-believer. Well, my marriage is awful, but we're just trusting that the Lord will... Are you serious? You can't stand each other. Well, you're right. But, but we trust Christ. You've got cancer eating away at you. How are you joyful? Because, because one day this body's, this body's going to pass away anyway. I, I, don't, I don't have a whole lot of control over the, the timing on that. This is just, a, this is just a, an earthen vessel. So I'm going to glorify God as long as I can. And so if that's you, if you're, if you're looking at this saying, man, that, that sounds crazy. I don't, I don't even know that I have a framework to understand how that works. I would love to visit with you in just a few moments about how you can come to know Jesus Christ and to, how you can experience this hope, this peace, this joy, and this love that, that we're talking about this Christmas season. Um, 
And maybe, you know, you're sitting there and you, you know that you said yes to Christ Jesus. You know that, 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 that you're saved. That that's not an issue with you. You've got that assurance. But, but you just say, man, I'm, I'm struggling with this joy. I'm, I'm kind of in a tough spot. I'm just really struggling to, to find the joy in this and, and to, to see how there's anything good that's coming out of this. And, and if that's you, um, the same, same thing goes with you. I'd love to visit with you in a moment and just pray with you that, that God would um, calm your fears in the middle of that, that he, would, that he would show you what it looks like to live with joy in the, in the midst of uh, circumstances that are not ideal. And then here's the last thing that I want us to, to wrap up with here. There's, there's joy in discipling others. There's joy to be found in discipling others. And, and really, what the, if you zoom out from just this one, there's, what I'm saying here is there's joy in obedience to what God's called us to do. The reason I say discipling others is because that's, a, that's one of the very clear commands that we have as followers of Christ. Um, this one may seem a bit odd when we're talking about joy, but we've been walking through 1 John, and we're going to wrap that up next year. Uh, but in the letter of 3 John, this is what John writes. He says, I have no greater joy than this, to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Now, now as we've been walking through 1 John, we know John here is not referring to his physical children, but to his uh, spiritual children, those whom he had the joy of leading as a pastor at the church in Ephesus. And he's saying that nothing brings him joy like hearing that those whom he's poured his life into, those whom he's discipled, that they're still growing in the faith. And so, listen, as someone who's had this privilege of discipling uh, some folks, I can tell you that, that this is absolutely true. It brings me great joy to see students whom uh, I've had the opportunity to, to lead as a youth pastor following Christ, some now even serving in the ministry, and, and, and I get to now coach them in, in some areas occasionally. I mean, that's, a, that's a great joy, and so I understand what John's saying here. And so let me tell you, believer, there's a joy, there's a unique joy in discipling someone and seeing them grow in their faith and then releasing them to to do ministry and seeing them flourish in that. And that's a joy that not many believers experience. And so I would call you this morning to renew your Commitment, renew your obedience to the Great Commission, the things that God has called us to do, right? So there is great joy when we're obedient to the things God has called us to do. And, and when we disciple others, we're helping to fulfill the Great Commission. So uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. He, Paul commands Timothy these things. He says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, now, Timothy's serving as a pastor at the church in Ephesus, the same church that, uh, that, that we talked about John serving a while ago. One of the, I'm going to say one of the most important churches in the New Testament outside of the church in Jerusalem. He commands Timothy, he says, hey, I, you, 
as pastor, you don't just bottle all this up, right? I want you to be passing this on, what you've heard from me, pass on to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Do you see the four generations that are happening in this statement right here of, of gospel reproduction? Paul says, Timothy, I pass this on to you. Paul would be first generation. Timothy would be second. Timothy, I want you to pass that on to others. And not just that, I want you to enlist folks who can pass it on to others. We have Paul saying, I want want spiritual great-grandchildren. Those whom I've taught you, those whom you have taught as they teach others. And reproduces out of there. See, so this call is not simply to make converts or even to make church members, but it's to make disciples, men and women who are following after the Lord and teaching others to do the same. And nothing, nothing makes disciples. Nothing furthers this, um, this reality like one-on-one Relationships. Maybe you've never experienced that. Maybe you'd say, man, I've been believed for a long time. I've never had somebody pour into me one-on-one. If that's the case, I'd love to visit with you and see if, we can get, see if we can get you paired up with someone who can walk you through what it means to be a disciple of Christ, what it means to disciple someone else, what it means to reproduce. This is something that, that myself and DJ and Noel Six have been working on. You're going to hear more about in the next year, what it means to disciple Others, Because listen, the, the kingdom of God, by and large, doesn't grow through large worship gatherings. These are good. These, we, this is good what we do. We gather as the body of Christ to, to worship and, and to hear the word of God proclaimed. Small groups are good. That, that provides a, a place for real fellowship and, and care within the body of Christ. And if you're not plugged into a small group, I would say that's, where, that's what you're missing out on is that, that, that experience of deeper fellowship. Listen, the kingdom of God grows one-on-one. It grows as I pour myself into someone, and then they turn around and pour into somebody else, who pours into somebody else. That's how we see the kingdom of God expand. Maybe you've never experienced that, and you're curious about what that looks like. I would love to tell you and to, to plug you in with somebody. By the way, this discipleship, this word discipleship, which simply means um, following Christ as a disciple, this is not something that's just reserved for super Christians. See, I think that's our, that's our problem, in, particularly in Southern Baptist life, is, is we used to have, uh, you know, we'd have worship, and then, then when I was a kid, at 5 o'clock, we had training union, right? Which is where you wanted to come to be trained, and, and we kind of made that this was, for, this was for super Christians who wanted to grow deeper in their faith and, and who felt called to some ministry. Uh, listen, if you're a follower of Christ, you're called to be a disciple. This is not for super Christians. This is not for a select few. This is for all of us. This call to discipleship and to reproduction is a call for every believer. Oh, how I pray that you will experience the joy that's available in Christ. That when you look at the cross, there's a joy that springs up in you, realizing that this is what God has done to show his love for you. That even in the midst of trials, in the midst of circumstances that are not great, whether that be in your family or, or in your body, at work, whatever that plays out, and in, in the middle of circumstances that you would not have chosen, that you would rely on Christ through various 
trials. That you might have joy in the midst of these trials. And then, oh, brothers and sisters, that we would be men and women who are committed to the mission of God, of making disciples. And making sure that we ourselves are disciples, not just pew sitters, but passionate disciples of Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you so much for the chance to open up your word. And I pray that just as we looked this morning in Psalm 16, that we would find abundant joy in your presence. That we would be reminded of, of the gospel in our lives. We would be reminded daily that we were dead and separated and without hope in the world. But God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive together with Christ. That we might look to the cross and that would cause a joy to spring up in us. And, and as we look at Christ's suffering on our behalf, that whatever amount of suffering that we have in our own lives, that would, that would cause us to identify more with, with what he endured for us and, and, and we would experience the same joy that, that he had in the middle of suffering. Knowing that we can proclaim your goodness and your grace and your mercy even in the midst of trials in our life. And I pray that, that these trials, that the testing of our faith would produce endurance, would increase our faith, would increase our reliance on you. Oh God, that we would be faithful to the great commission to make disciples of men and women and boys and girls. The First Baptist Church of Alamogordo would come to be known as a church that takes the great commission Seriously, whether that's here in Alamogordo or taking mission trips to Albuquerque or, or around the world, that we, that we would be a church that takes it seriously, whether that's across the street or across the world. We'd be serious about one-on-one -on -one relationships of diving into the scripture and learning what it means to walk with you. Father, do that in us. Increase our faith as we increase our obedience to you. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 10.30. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening and may God bless you this week.